here with life. Welcome to another episode of No Pulse, It's Just Music. Almost forgot the name of my podcast there. Um, <laughs> did have a big break. I haven't recorded it. I only recorded one episode on Sunday, which I just told you about brief, uh, before we went on. But before that, I hadn't recorded since uh, February, I think. But yeah, so today I'm lucky to be joined by my cousin in the Netherlands. Um, so yeah, welcome, Sonna. It's great to have you on. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, no and I think uh, I'm partly to blame for the very big uh, gap in recording because I was putting off choosing an album for a very long time. In your defense, though, you were finishing off your PhD. Also that was happening, yes. So I'll certainly let you away with that, that one. I have had to chase up quite a few people. Like I said to Brandon on Sunday, I will keep chasing people. So <laughs> this is more proof that eventually people will come on. People will have to give in. And then pass you a couple of names after the show. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So I sent you Animals by Pink Floyd, and you sent me Badalak by Together Pangea. I'd never heard of Together Pangea before, and so it was really interesting to hear that album. But I would like to talk about Pink Floyd's Animals first. And I guess... The first question is, had you heard this album before? I don't recall ever listening to it, like, in its entirety. So, yeah, I actually am a bit embarrassed to admit that. Also because I really enjoyed listening to it, but... Like, I've been a big fan of Pink Floyd for a long time, but I'd only really listened to Dark Side of the Moon or Wish You Were Here. And I first started listening to this album, actually, when I was living in Groningen. That was what reminded me about it when I was trying to think of an album to send you, and then I was... It all just kind of fell into place. But so I spent a lot of time in the, the library listening to this album, writing my thesis. Ah, <laughs> or, you know, okay, so I had one question for you about your choice for this album, but now I have another one first. Why did you start listening to it then? I mentioned it a couple of times, like at the time and since, you know, working from home, I found albums like just a great way to, you know, have music on in the background. And because normally albums go for about 40 minutes to an hour or 20, it's a good like time to set aside, like, oh, I can focus for the next length of this album, and then I get to get up and have a five-minute break while I look for another album or put on another album. So that really works quite well. And it was kind of the case with studying as well. You know, just like, I don't have to think about what song's coming next. You know, if I put on a playlist or put it on shuffle, it's just I'm listening to this album. So that's why I was listening to albums at the time. And then the Pink Floyd one, I think it was just a case of like, I I know Pink Floyd, but I just haven't listened to their older albums. So I just went back through and listened to this one first. So that's why it came up. Yeah, I don't listen to a lot of music while I'm working. I almost forget about it. But when I do, it can really help me and motivate me as well. Exactly in this way, you're saying. And I prefer picking albums over playlists for the same reason. Because otherwise you just, every... Well, depending on what kind of music you're listening to, but every couple minutes, you're like, what's this? <laughs> and like for me, it's also a good way to discover new music, like putting on an album you haven't heard, and then not having to worry about whether you like it or not, because you... it's not listening on autopilot, but it's like, these songs have been chosen in this order for me, rather yeah. than like... And it's a bit in the background when you're focusing on other tasks as well, I imagine. Or, you know, like sometimes you like a song too much and then you get distracted because you, you're tapping away on the desk or something like that <laughs> which does happen occasionally but how did you find the album like how did how did you mm. like did you enjoy it i really enjoyed it actually yeah 
I mean, just, I mean, first I, I didn't listen to the lyrics or anything, right? I listened to it a couple of times. And at first it's just, yeah, I find it, it has a really nice build up in like kind of the songs, but also within the song. So I think that I really enjoyed that. Within the beginning, you just kind of ease into it a bit more. And then after a couple of songs, you start paying attention. Like, hmm, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> What's going on here? So yeah, I really enjoyed that. But as I started listening to it more, I did come up with a question for you because your podcast is called. <laughs> I don't even know yeah, where this is going. <laughs> no politics, just music. And it's very hard to listen to this album and not think politics, right? Yeah. The, the episode before this one is Rage Against Machines, Rage Against Machines. So two episodes in a row, I've had to break that rule a little bit. I think a little bit, you know, I could have foreseen this. I like politics, I always talk about politics, so <laughs> it was bound to happen. But, yeah, I mean, this album is really, you know, you can draw a lot of parallels between it and Animal Farm by George Orwell, right? Yeah, definitely. When did it first come out? I saw this today. 70, late 70s. 76? Oh, yeah, because it, I mean, it feels painfully... Uh, appropriate for the times we live in but do you actually uh, listen to like the political dimension of it when you listen to it or is it it can also just be more about the music right it's not like i'm thinking about politics when i'm listening to it the whole time or something like that yeah for me yeah i mean as soon as i picked it up us and listened to it i saw the george orwell connections and then it doesn't take too much scratching to me to realize just how political the album is in its commentary but mm-hmm. I never really paid much attention to it until the lyrics, until I sent it to you, and then I actually read the lyrics myself. Um, mm-hmm. So it was like kind of, you know how like you're kind of aware of the words, but you don't hadn't really pieced them together yet. And especially because because the songs are so long and they have like a verse and then five six minutes of instrumentals, a lot of the times it's difficult, or if you you're not really paying attention to it, you don't piece those things together. Or I didn't at least. I don't know if you had that same experience or if you saw it a different way. No, I had a very similar experience, but I also think this is, because the songs are set up that way, I really enjoyed the album because I'm, I mean, when it comes to lyrics, I guess I'm a bit of a lazy listener sometimes. Like you say, I, I kind of hear them and you know what they are, but a lot of the time when I'm listening to music, I'm not actually thinking too much about what they mean. And so this album also really facilitates that. <laughs> Even though, I mean, then I started looking at the names of the tracks, for example, because also I didn't do that for the first two times or something that I listened to it. And I realized, wait a minute, (laughs) there's something here. So, well, the one thing I noticed when I listened to it the first time was just how long the songs were as well. And Mm because that's not very, especially today, it's not very common. There's a few bands that, I still listen to that have quite long songs, but especially I think it's Dogs on this is 17 minutes long. I, I really enjoy it, and I I think they flow quite nicely. But you know, if you have a 40 minute album with only five songs on it, two of those songs clocking in under a minute 30, it's obviously got a weird arrangement to that the way it's made. And I guess you know when we're discussing about how you engage with music, how you listen to it, that's quite important right just listen to this album but i guess when i talk to other people about this album 
they're like as soon as they hear that it's seventeen minute long songs or ten minute long songs, they just don't want to engage with it. They don't, you know, that puts mm-hmm. them off. Um, so I'm glad that hasn't happened for you. No, it's a different mindset, right? But it can be so. You can really be um, like carried away by a song or something. So obviously not when I'm listening to it while I'm working, but if you just, I don't know, are walking outside and you're listening to that song, you just really get drawn into it. I think it can have the same when I'm reading a book. And sometimes when it's a really big book, like 500 pages, you at first you're a bit intimidated and you think, oh, pff, uh, that's going to be a lot of work. I guess it can be a bit the same <laughs> with songs that are that long. But then when you... I don't know, put a little bit of effort into it. It's really paying off because when it's good, you don't want it to end after three minutes necessarily, right? I mean, it does have to have a a certain um, tension through all the song to not keep your mind wandering all the time or something like that. But yeah, I think it it stays interesting the entire 17 minutes. Yeah. It must have been really difficult to do just from like a, a composing point of view. Like how do you have enough ideas fresh ideas but then also you know connect them somehow it's well beyond my musical skill level to even really start dissecting it and i guess for me that's one of the drawbacks of having these really long songs is that with the three minute song i can be like i like the song i like the chorus i like the verse whereas with this i can't point to specific things that i really like about it it's Mm. do do you see what i mean yeah and so then it becomes quite difficult to talk about because it can be quite hard to convince someone, like, oh, yeah, you'll have to listen to it 15 minutes to get to this part, <laughs> and then it gets really cool. But it, it needs that build-up to get there. Yeah. And I feel like the different parts don't work without each other, right? They strengthen each other. And that's that's kind of amazing. But then with yeah. these really long songs, there's those two, the, this first song and the, the last song, they're just with the guitar and the voice. I don't know what to make of them. I was wondering if you had any ideas on even why those two pieces are in the in the album. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I I don't think I can help you there. <laughs> One of my theories is it's kind of like a you know bookends. It's very like this is the album and we've put these two things at the either end of it to signify mm-hmm. when it starts and ends. Because you know like some albums they get really long and complex are designed so you can listen to it in a loop or repetitively, whereas this one, it doesn't feel like you could do that. It feels like it starts here, finishes here, and that's that. I also wonder if it's like like a palate cleanser in some ways. Ah, that's an interesting theory. You know, I, ha- I would have to listen to it again. <laughs> also, when you consider the topics of the songs, right, that kind of makes sense. Where the first song is like, ah, it's grim, right? But then this last song, I mean, I guess there is some hope in there as well. I mean, it's the sheep song, right? Uh, I think the two in ones are no? pigs. Oh. So there's three songs called pigs? Yeah. Pigs on a wing, I think, are the two on the end. Yeah, me. Yeah. Now I'm confusing it with a fourth song then, I think, right? <laughs> no, I get confused. This is one of the few ones where I actually remember all the track names and I've got a list of the track names for the other album that we're going to talk about soon. So, oh, there was a, I had another question. Oh, yeah. Did, did you have a favorite track? No, I actually don't. I thought about this because I thought you would ask me. 
but I think because of the setup of the album, I also like once listened to it um, on shuffle to see how that would work out. Doesn't work out that well. So you have to. Well, I didn't. I don't know. I didn't like it that much. I think. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a musician, so definitely not a composer either. So I just feel that if I listen to it, I'm really being like taken along on this journey through all the album. And so it's also hard for me to pick a favorite song because it really, the one song guides you into the next, just like these really long songs have this buildup. I feel like this a similar thing is happening through all the album. But then maybe if I had to pick one, I would pick the first song. But also because of the sensation I had of like listening to something new and that being the opening song and just kind of being curious about that. For me, it's the same. Like, I the last time I actually listened to this album was this morning and accidentally put it on shuffle as well. And Did I had you the same. Like that? No, I had the same experience where it just didn't work. It doesn't feel as coherent because I mean it's just not right, <laughs> almost by definition. Um, and because I think the order I listened to it accidentally was like the first song, then three, five. One four, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. For a long time, the first long song, "Dogs," was my favorite track. I think it has some of the coolest, like riffs and guitar lines in it. I really like the second one now, uh, the second long song, because I think "Dogs" can be a little bit depressing somehow, <laughs> just with the the lyrics, and then maybe with my job a little bit too, just working in you know corporate uk which is what this is really rallying against (laughs) yeah that must be a weird experience (laughs) yeah well sometimes you have to put those two things aside i almost knocked my microphone over there and so as i don't play any instrument myself i listen to it i listen to it a bit differently but i always imagine that for musicians to be playing on these longer songs it also kind of gives them this i mean this is what i imagine hearing right it gives them the opportunity to really display their skills but also to kind of almost get hypnotized by the way that they're playing but this may be my very idealized picture of people just doing something that's very hard (laughs) um but you play a bit of guitar yourself right yeah a bit i think is the key words there but um but do you do you think there's any truth to it no, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, mm. And I'm going to use this as a segue into talking about the next album because one of the reactions to, you know, so Battle Act by Together Pangea is very punk influenced. And one of the reactions to Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, Deep Purple playing 17 minute songs and, you know, when you play them live, and because obviously there are, you know, copious amounts of drugs involved in these uh, live performances, you know, <laughs> musicians getting lost in drum solos, guitar solos, can get a bit boring for the audience. Yeah. And so punk really was a reaction to that. And it's like, we're going to play three chords for three minutes and then we're going to move on to the next song. Yeah, we're going to have three words that we will repeat all the time as well. <laughs> yeah, which, so, I mean, yeah, you're 100% right, I think, in, you know, seeing it as a way to display skills and stuff like that. But at some point, that becomes just a little too indulgent. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's a fine line between, like, making an album really just with your back towards the audience 
or you know playing the show with your back towards the audience and just playing guitar basically like you would in your bedroom rather than you know trying to engage the audience which the punk i think really was a reaction to and tried to claim back yeah, so I saw Together in GL Live a couple of times, actually, and they engaged the audience. <laughs> I can promise you that. <laughs> where, where did you see them? In Vera, I think once or twice, mm-hmm. and at a festival here in the north of the Netherlands in Leeuwarden, actually. Leeuwarden is not a big yeah, town. But... Places. Yeah. yeah, so I guess my first question about this one is why, why this specific album? I know you said you had a lot of trouble deciding on which album yeah. you wanted to send, but this is the one you landed on. I guess saying why I did choose this album, I would really love to say something about why I didn't choose a bunch of other things. <laughs> uh, so I listened to the episode with Jasper, and so that was kind of disappointing and also uh, a relief because then I didn't have to choose Jason Molina or Sons Ohio anymore. <laughs> and thinking about choosing an album, I also thought, you know, there's a lot of music I find really beautiful, but it can also be a bit depressing. I think you kind of recognize the genre where it can be quite emotional. It's really, really skilled musicians with really beautiful lyrics. And then I thought, well, being, because I think I'm the first woman mm-hmm. to be hosted on your show, right? So I thought, oh, I have to support the women in, uh, <laughs> in the arts and I have to choose a, a women artist. But, and so I actually wanted to pick Taylor Swift's lockdown album. I think she produced two actually over the past year and they are both awesome. So to anybody listening, really recommend them. In the end, I settled on this one because I think it fits my mood at many different points in my day, in my life. And it's something that I don't very easily express. So there's a lot of frustration in it that kind of build up. And I, I mean, it's punk, so yeah, a punk influence. So that I, I really like that about it, the energy about it. And then also this period in our pandemic world that we talked about elaborately before, I just really like this this energy. So on the one end, it's something that I'm feeling right now. I'm feeling frustrated, a bit angry. And I think people can use something a bit more upbeat, something to keep them energized and activated. And at the same time, like I said, I've seen them live a few times, but I can't ever imagine being in a room full of sweaty people again, jumping up and down <laughs> listening to this band. But I think it's a nice reminder that hopefully someday that will happen again, right? <laughs> yeah, I would love to go to another concert again. And yeah, mm-hmm. have listened to this album. Definitely love to see this band live. Yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this album. I really didn't expect it. I think I mentioned with Jasper, he picked an, uh, an album that I... I just saw it coming from a mile away somehow, like not exactly. Yeah. I don't know what album it would be, but I was like, that just seemed the like genre was uh, really <laughs> on point. <laughs> yeah, and you and I haven't spoken about music too much. Maybe I think because a lot of the uh, music I listened to or still listen to was music that you had given me uh, given to me when you were in New Zealand back in 2010. So, whoa, really? Yeah, well, because, I mean, so you were the first one to give me a lot of the Arctic Monkeys albums, Radiohead albums. I almost sent you Kid A by Radiohead, but I decided against it. And then later when I was, when I was in the Netherlands, so Dare Tech and a few other bands like that. But for whatever reason, we just never ended up talking about music this as much um, when I was in Groningen mm-hmm. last time. And because, you know, previously I'd gone to concerts with Jasper. I think you and I went to the Vera together 
We went to Nordazon. Oh, we did this time as last time as well. But yeah, so I, I just the long the, the short version of that is I didn't expect it to be a really heavy energetic punk album because well yeah we just don't talk about music. <laughs> so no. blindsided me. I think generally people don't expect me to like that kind of music, right? <laughs> so I also listened to a lot of what Jasper talked about in the episode you did with him. A lot of, I mean, I guess you call it Americana or folk music or the kind of artists that also come to this Take Root Festival, the small festival in Groningen that you and Jasper talked about. Yeah, it's something I really enjoy as well. But this just speaks to a very different set of emotions in me. Yeah, I don't know. I th- I think I really like about this type of music that it really awakes this feeling that is not so much at the forefront in my daily life. <laughs> and so one thing you mentioned was like is a number of emotions as well. So it's not simply just anger and frustration. There's a few no, other things I'm going. So happy. And that's like one thing. After I heard the first song, I was like, "This is really cool." For the first time I listened to it, I was like, "This is really cool." But then I was like, "Is this going to be an album where it's..." you know, just this 100% of the time and it's just going to go off the rails a bit. Um, so one thing I really enjoyed was that, you know, the songs are different. It's not mm-hmm. just... I mean, it definitely comes close to going off the rails, which I like, you know, but it doesn't come off the rails by just sticking to, well, yeah, just anger and frustration. Is there something that you listen to more? The music-wise? Yeah. Yeah probably more of the anger ones at the moment um so for whatever reason this podcast there's i've got another couple of episodes lined up and that's a lot of uh heavy metal music ah. and if you listen to the one with rob before this the most recent uh well, yeah that was with lamb of god and that was a bit too heavy for me i, I enjoyed the musicianship in it but that was about it but the music i've been listening to lately has been a lot of like tall Chevelle, and then more of those punk, heavier punk bands like Idols. There's another band called the Viagra Boys, a Swedish band, which are pretty cool, but they're a bit weird. <laughs> and I don't it's think any. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't think I, I, I always enjoy that kind of music, but this again was just a bit of a, you know, it really did blindside me because there's it's more complex. Not necessarily in its musicianship or even its engineering, but you know the songs contrast really well, but still fit together quite cohesively. Did you have a favourite song? Yeah, Catman. <laughs> that surprises me. Why? I don't know. It just because it's a bit weird, and I. I I'm, always think it's the odd song that made it to the album somehow, and really? nobody remembers why or something. It's kind of weird. Yeah. So. I was walking down the street recently, and that was the song that was just stuck in my head. It must have just resonated somehow. I mean, obviously the lyrics don't make much sense to me, but I, in, unless you have a clue what it's about. Nope. Do you think... I guess I also... Uh, yeah, um, that's also that you don't really necessarily have to have a clue, and you can still enjoy it. Yeah. Just with Catman, do you think it's... It like Because the cover's a bit weird, and it's got that weird-looking guy on the front mm. of it. Do you reckon that's the cat man? It's more like a muscle face, though, than a yeah. cat face. Yeah, I, the only reason I can t- t- draw a line between them is because it's a, like some sort of monster. Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, it's a loose connection. I, I'm not going to say it's yeah. a... I suspect that um, the man on the cover got his face eaten off by a cat. 
<laughs> That's a good My best bet. <laughs> That's a good guess. So did you listen to this album before you saw the band or all the way around? Ooh, I think before. So Martijn introduced me to them, and I think he saw them live before I did. He was really excited about it, as you can imagine. So then he introduced me to it. And so this was actually, they did two albums before Badalek, but Badalek is the first album that I heard. Have you listened yeah. to the other two albums? Yeah, now I have. But yeah, I also enjoy them, and they all have this kind of teenage, rebellious, I don't care attitude to it. But I do feel that in Badalek, the... At least, as far as I can tell, it feels a bit more matured. Also, in how the way that the different songs on the album come together. So, actually, nowadays I mostly listen to that, like, and not so much to their first two albums anymore. Although they did an album after it, which is also quite nice. But I still prefer. I think Bad Leg. For me, Bad Leg is there. That's my favorite album of them. Yeah, yeah I mean, because I haven't listened to their other stuff, so I will at some point. But at the moment, this is just one of the albums that's just playing a lot for me. Oh, really? Yeah, I probably listen to it. Yeah, every day. I, I only listen to an album once a day. I have a weird rule about that. <laughs> it, I know it doesn't make much sense, but so, yeah, every day since you sent it to me, I'll listen to it. Oh, wow. Yeah, and at this point, it doesn't seem like it. I'm going to slow down. It'll come out of <laughs> rotation at some point, but... Well, then you should definitely try their other albums as well. I would recommend it, because they... They do have the same energy to them. Do you find, like, so I mentioned with the, this album, like, the, it's reasonably, I don't mean this in a negative way, like, kind of simplistic, you know, like, there's one guitar, maybe two guitars, but they're not doing anything, mm-hmm. you know, like, it's not like the Pink Floyd album, essentially, which would be the, the far end of the spectrum. But it's it's got a quite a raw, aggressive sound to it. I find it with some albums, like, I get quite tired out, after listening to an album like that? Do you find that with this album or not? Hmm. That's an interesting question. No, I, I don't really have that. But, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't put it on repeat, so maybe in a sense I do. But then once you get to know the album a bit, yeah, you already know it's build up and you don't. I don't get tired out by it anymore when I listen to it. Definitely no. But okay. maybe in the beginning I had that more, yeah. Because for me, like, it's one thing I notice I do with a lot of albums, you know, if I... If it's a heavier, faster, raw sound, especially if it's got a, quite a raw sound to it, I'll need something a bit more softer <laughs> just afterwards. Maybe you're right, actually. I never thought about it before, but I listened to the album again today, and I hadn't for a while. And then after that, I thought, like, whew, okay, so what's next? <laughs> yeah. So I never thought about it as tiring out or something, but you may be right, and it's because also because they, they pack a lot in short songs, right? So it also takes, I mean, even though, as you say, they're not super complex songs or something, they still got a lot of, yeah, energy or something packed into them. And so you also feel it, <laughs> but uh, you can only kind of keep the tension up for so long. Yeah. I, I think that's exactly what it is. Like, there's, yeah. you know, even when you listen to an album like this, maybe I notice it more because of lockdown and I'm, you know, always sat in my house, but, it, you know, listening to some music takes a lot more energy and it's like, oh, I just need to relax <laughs> because I'm not, you know, mm-hmm. like with this album, I start tapping along, playing the drums on my desk and stuff like that. And then I'm like, I just, I've put, I've expended energy, <laughs> I've invested into this album and now I'm just going to relax. 
Yeah, I can understand. But that's also the lockdown experience, right? So you listen, you, you may listen to music in a very different way than you did before. Um, I've always listened to music yeah. all the time. Yeah, I mean, even before lockdown, like any chance, as soon, if I come home for five minutes, I don't, you know, just to change or something like that, I'd put the stereo on. Just... Yeah, but I think that's what I mean, because for me, at least, I mean, I never thought about it before, but now you mention it. So for me, I used to listen to music all the time, but there were very often short bits of time. And now, during lockdown, I listen to full-length albums, actually, and I listen to them in one go. I don't pause in between to, like, I don't know, <laughs> get on the train or buy a ticket or... I don't know, I don't listen to two songs on my way to work and then two songs on my way back. Mm -hmm. I actually put something on from beginning to end. That's a very, I guess it must be a very different experience. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. I guess, like, so, because with this whole project, I talked about how it started off as just listening to as many albums as possible. And so there were, I think my record in one day is like 12 or 13 different albums. Then you must be exhausted after that. <laughs> yeah, it became like, you know, this fixation of like, there's X amount of hours in a day where I'm awake. I can't go anywhere, you know, so I'm going to listen to as many albums as possible. And then, you know, you feel tired at the end of the day, but you feel like you've achieved something, you know, mm -hmm. especially if it's a weekend where you couldn't do any work. Um, <laughs> and you could just enter everything in your spreadsheet as you were going, which is why I'm a management consultant, I guess, <laughs> putting it into a spreadsheet. And so now that that fizzled out, I think there were two months where I had about 120 albums, 150 albums over the, you know, the 30 days. And then I think a low point was September, October, where I only had like three new albums because I was just going back and listening to all those albums because listening to an album once doesn't really give you a good idea of how good an album mm. is or isn't, especially if you're working at the same time. So now... I feel like I listen to music quite differently from what I did at the start of the pandemic and lockdown. Is there anything I haven't covered in this Battle Like album that you want to talk about? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't know. I just really like how dynamic it is. So I was afraid you would ask me what my favorite song is, so thank you for not asking me, <laughs> because it changes all the time. Yeah, I, well, I, like, so asking when I, first that, hmm? I like asking people that question because it puts them on the spot a bit, but yeah... I'm not sure if it's actually a useful question or not. Well, like, when I first listened to this album, like, the very first time, Six Shit was my favorite song, and I put that on repeat sometimes, just when I was bike, I was living in... So, I don't know, when did this album come out? Did you see that? 2014. So, I was living in Leipzig at the time, so that's right. I was writing my thesis, and I was driving to the library every day. <laughs> Pretty frustrated. <laughs> and I would just put that song on, on repeat. And that was just my 15 minutes of just telling it out, I guess. <laughs> that was, so that song reminds me a lot of, of that time as well. But at the moment, I'm really into Alive. When I listened to the album again, I thought, oh, yeah, I never fully appreciated that song. Yeah, I think Alive, they sound even better. So hopefully that's going to happen somewhere in the not-too-far-away future again. It's interesting that you listened to this album while you were writing your thesis, and I listened <laughs> That's true. That's a very, very, um, very weird synchronicity. Yeah, complete accident, of course, but still. Wow, yeah. Yeah, so normally at the end of the podcast, I ask the other person if they want to recommend an album. 
and Ooh, I already did. Yeah, well, <laughs> I normally drop people in it by not really mentioning it beforehand as well. So I, I guess I just want to quickly talk about another album, which I came really close to sending you, but didn't, which is the, the, the Foo Fighters' very first album. It's just self-titled. I don't know if you've ever heard it. No, I haven't. Well, yeah, it's, I'm a big fan of Dave Grohl, but in this album he records like, all the instruments and he released it under the name Foo Fighters because he didn't want it to be, you know, it was the year after Kurt Cobain had died and he didn't want it to be related to him and Nirvana. He just wanted to release music for the, you know, the sake mm-hmm. of releasing music. And then the band sort of formed after that. So this album's quite different from the rest of the stuff because it's just recorded by him in a really simple studio. It has a lot of that like, really raw sound that is in Badalak because Dave Grohl came from the hardcore punk scene in the, the late 80s, Washington, D.C., around there. It's just a punk album. A bit more poppy than Badalak, but not like Green Day or Blink-182 pop. There's just you know a few more melodies in it, similar to Nirvana, realistically. But yeah, so that's an album that I, I came really close mm-hmm. to sending it to you. I'm kind of glad I didn't now because otherwise we would have had two albums very similar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will listen to it. It sounds very interesting, and I almost feel weird that I haven't listened to it before. Yeah, it's more obscure. I think most people, you know, because the second album had Everlong, I think Monkey Wrench, and a few of their other big songs. You know, that's when the other musicians actually came into the band to form Foo Fighters rather than it just being. Dave Grohl in his basement. I uh, already made my recommendation secretly in the beginning when I introduced my album by coming out as a Taylor Swift fan <laughs> on your podcast. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a fan in the sense that I follow her personal life or anything, but I think she is very often mistaken for only making interesting music for young girls, while she actually is very strong rooting in the folk country tradition. And she has popularized that a bit, I guess. But I think her last two albums is... Yeah, so we had a little technical difficulty there. But you had just mentioned that... Well, you were just talking about the Taylor Swift album and her having deep roots in the Americana folk music. And Yeah, I think I only discovered her a couple of years ago when Ryan Adams covered one of her albums, actually. He covered 1989, which is also a really good... like by Ryan Adams. I really like that album. But yeah, that's when I started listening to the Taylor Swift original as well and how I really came to like that too. But I realized also that she has a whole uh, fan base, which is almost like a community and it's not something that I'm necessarily into. So, (laughs) but uh, I've never listened to a Taylor Swift album. I don't know why. I mean, the whole point of this uh, you know, podcast was to listen to as much music as possible. So, well, I'm, I mean, since that since that's your pandemic project, and she has done those pandemic projects, that might be something worthwhile. <laughs> yeah, it definitely makes sense. The, the parallels there, yeah. I think like part of what does push me away is that I mean, and this is nothing to do with her, of course, but it is her fan base. They just seem a bit rabid sometimes, almost. Yeah, I mean, she has a whole reputation, right? Yeah, it's, I yeah it's also why I never listened to it. it w- I thought it would be way too girly and, I don't know, just, yeah, yeah. superficial, I guess, if I'm being honest. Yeah, because there's been a few news stories that I've read in the UK and they're all, like, from her fan base and it's like, you know, people 
people just being attacked like in a real you know the way social media sort of exacerbates you know like people just getting all kinds of horrible messages on the social media platforms or whatever mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff so i mean it, it's obviously less than 0.01 percent of the actual fan base um, yeah. so those are the people i mean who are a bit rabid rather than the people who, you know listen to all the albums and then because she she got into a big well not a big but a like a lawsuit well she's been in a few lawsuits but at one point she pulled all her, all her music off spotify mm-hmm I, I talk about Dave Grohl way too much on this podcast, but he came out against her and said, oh, you know, like we make fans, we make music for our fans. I was just kind of against the whole move. And then because mm-hmm. I like Dave Grohl, I just took his side. <laughs> but, looking yeah, better, I didn't follow that sense. one. I just saw now that she is actually re-recording all her old, very old albums and I never listened to either because I always figured that would be too much 16 year old girl genre because she basically was 16 right when she started when she became famous i guess but um the master recordings of those albums are apparently in the hands of a label that she's no longer affiliated with and they didn't even want to sell them back to her like she was willing to pay a lot of money just to have ownership over her own master recordings and they weren't willing to do that and so she decided to re-record them and I just feel that's kind of badass. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because that was another story that I'd seen, and that was one I was definitely on her side for, because I kind of get it from like a legal point of view. Yeah, you own the music rights, but at the same point, it's like... Yeah, I just always wonder what... I mean, she obviously doesn't need to do any of this, so I don't know anything about it other than what I just told you, but I always wonder in what way these bigger artists can act so that it also supports... Well, not so famous and rich artists so that they can actually also benefit maybe from changes in the music industry. Because I guess these kind of constructs can be kind of poisonous if you don't even own your own music anymore or something like that. Because quite a few big big bands have talked about it, even like I think Metallica, which, you know, one of the biggest bands of all time, have been like, you know, there's, I can't remember which album it was, but, you know, when they were deep into their mainstream success, were like, oh, yeah. We finally brought back all our music, and it's they were like super happy to be in control of their own music, which makes a lot of sense. But it just begs the question: like, how many bands are actually in control of their music? If Metallica aren't even in control of their own music, yeah, yeah, and I guess I mean a lot of uh, young or starting artists starting out, they sign these contracts because they don't have a lot of other opportunities, right? They don't. I mean, they can choose to do so they probably do so freely but at the same time it's the only way that you can actually record with a label it's also kind of a yeah kind of a fake freedom i guess yeah definitely so so addressing this i guess is a good thing yeah so i guess thanks for coming on the podcast you're very welcome really enjoyed talking about these two albums and thank you very much for having me and for introducing me to two new albums only today so (laughs) 